Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to do our bi-week roster evaluation, something we do at the end of the season and then again at this point, uh, the mid-season. And as always, Brian McFarlane is here from RSR to join us and talk roster evaluations on both sides of the ball. How you doing, Brian? Great, Ken. How are you today? Oh, always a pleasure to talk football with you. And Absolutely. Uh, I, I, you, you probably are in a cave if you don't know who Brian is. He's at Ravens Salary Cap on Twitter. If you have salary cap questions, uh, he's a lawyer by trade who knows all the nuances of the salary cap better than anyone I know, uh, is really the person I go to and rely on more for questions. 
than anybody else. But uh, Brian, really appreciate the the uh, uh, all the wisdom you've passed on about the cap over the years and and all the holes you filled in terms of what I don't know about it. <laughs> no worries. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Other folks out there, we're going to have to mention our sponsor right now, uh, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, please give, the, give them their product to try. They've been very good to us. Uh, so we're, we're looking at the defense first here. And for those not familiar with the way I usually lay this out in the articles, and we normally talk through it in a simple, similar manner, I divide the roster into five categories. Uh, the first is young producers, and those are uh, players on their first contract uh, who are still cheap relative to the cap. And a lot of this is value relative to cap is the way we think about it. That's why Brian is such a valuable guest for this kind of a discussion. Um, and then we'll go into the other categories as we hit them. But these young producers all on their first contract and all either starting or have a significant role on the team so far. We'll just like I think break right into these players right now uh, alphabetically on the team on the defense. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, Justin Matabike, Adafe Owe, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Geno Stone, and Broderick Washington. So five five younger players, uh, certainly all producing significantly for this team. Um, Brian, you know, there's been some breakouts in this group just this year in terms of who's joined it. Um, but maybe the most interesting name to people is going to be Roquan Smith in terms of, of uh, how he's playing. Certainly still on that rookie contract, but definitely has given every indication he's looking for a new deal. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously that's the, uh, you know, the one main question. Obviously, his skill is not in question. And we saw that uh, immediately uh, in, in New Orleans. But uh, what will happen from here? Um, reports were, of course, he doesn't have an agent. So we get into that same, uh, situation with Lamar. Of course, they should have experience. They should certainly have some experience with it now. So, um, but, uh, reports were, he was looking for, uh, you know, contract averaging 20 million a year. Uh, that's a lot for, uh, you know, a middle linebacker, uh, we saw, you know, I mean, we, you know, they would not go there with or any, well, not there, but they would not go anywhere near there with CJ Mosley. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but obviously I, you know, you don't make that trade. If you win a Super Bowl and you lose him, I guess it's, it's all worth it. Uh, but that's not normally their MO. Uh, their MO is usually just, you know, like they did with Peters, make the trade and then, uh, and then extend him. So we'll see what happens. Couple of things I want to unpack there. The first is the, the not having an agent, and you and I, of course, in, in business ventures and whatnot, not having an agent, not having someone taking a share, not having someone getting a cut, a commission, whatever you want to call it, can be a really good thing in terms of keeping costs low, and uh, you know, creating a divisible benefit that's on the table then for the team and player to divide in some manner. But that's not really the way it works. A lot of players. They, they, they are not a lot of players because not a lot of players don't have an agent, but some star players who don't have an agent, um, it's more like the entire NFLPA becomes their agent, at least the way we're hearing the stories about Lamar. Certainly in Lamar's case, I think that's that's I mean, and they, they do have advisors for everyone uh, for guidance. But in Lamar's case, I think, yeah, you're looking at an agenda being driven as far as the uh, mm-hmm you know, the, 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 uh, fully guaranteed contract, 
Um, I don't think I don't think we have those worries with 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 uh, Roquan, but um, certainly with Lamar, I think that's a concern. You know, it's it's one of those things. You know, in a rookie deal, players don't really need because it's it's mostly slotted or it's, it's pretty much is slotted. So I, I can understand it. You know, at that point. Uh, you know, going on your own and, and not having an agent. But when you're talking about these kinds of deals, you're, you know, in Roquan's case, 20 million a year, Lamar's case, 50 million a year, uh, the nuances and things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'll, I'll obviously never be in that stratosphere, but I'd be happy to lose 3% to make sure I get the right deal uh, to my agent. So, and when you're, you know, 3% of, of those, you know, gaudy numbers is great for the agent granted but it's not like you're you know you're losing a big chunk of it but to each their own and you know and obviously that's where we are they are with Lamar at this point but I think Smith is uh you know uh, certainly going to be if a deal gets done I think it's going to be easier to get done yeah oh I mean we hope so there are certainly a lot of other moving parts on this team one of the things you you also alluded to and I wanted to dig a little deeper into was the fact that they traded for him Gave up significant draft capital, a two and a five for him. And even if those are at the end of the round, which we certainly hope they'll be the very last picks of the round, right? For the Ravens, might be not be the last pick of the fifth because of compensatory picks, but sure. the second. It'd be nice if it were number 64. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is the Ravens probably overpaid for the talent Roquan brings because part of the value of the deal was them getting cap relief to the tune of about $5 million. Is that correct? Between the, the trade of Klein and the, and the pickup of Roquan? Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the, the bears ate a significant amount of his remaining salary. Uh, he was on his fifth year option. Um, so I think his, I think he was originally slated for 10 million or so. And obviously halfway into the season, most of that had gone, you know, half of that was gone already paid, I should say. And then obviously, um, so it was about five million left, uh, and they picked up, uh, or maybe a little over five million. They picked up uh, almost five of it. So the Ravens technically are paying uh, five hundred seventy-five for the last half of the season. So, and that's and that's often what teams do is, and the Bears had you know the, the cap space to be able to do it, but to get a higher draft pick and to make the trade work for the Ravens, uh, because we didn't have the cap space to be able to fit him in. Um, you get, you have to, you know, if they're, if you're going to ask them to take, pick up the money, then you've got to, uh, you've got to raise the, uh, draft pick compensation. So that's where the second round came in. And yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he's probably, uh, probably worth a second round, except not a second rounder for a half of this, the last half of the season, you know, because he's in this last year of his deal. If this was three years ago, he's probably easily worth a second round, maybe a first at that point. Uh, but because it's, he's a rental, so to speak, um, obviously that 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 changes. But we, you know, it goes back up based on them eating the money. Sure, and that that's the question I'm really I'm really wondering from from to try and get from you. I mean, you can obviously impute the value of the five million exactly if you knew the well. I tell you what, if you pick up the cap, here's what you pay. If you don't, here's what you pay. We only have one side of that. Right. We only have a second and a fifth plus five million kind of thing or or for Roquan plus five million effectively. Uh, and, and so the question becomes, what do you think the, the, the compensation might have been otherwise? Could they have had Roquan for a third and a fifth? If Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they if they take his salary uh, on, if they had the cap space to do that, then, yes, I think probably a third 
is probably the third and the fifth is probably more likely, maybe just the third, uh, or maybe a third and a sixth, something a little lower. But um, yeah, I think that I think that obviously the the, the money skews skewed the 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 compensation, and obviously the Ravens were comfortable with that. Um, and again, I think they they have to be thinking they're going to resign him, but obviously the this last half of the season, if he doesn't fit in or, you know, he's turns out to be a trouble in the, you know, in the, in the locker room or something like that, that can always change that dynamic. So if, if we are talking that kind of a difference between the picks, I just want to want to make this clear to people. That's about half of the value that they traded for went to the pickup of the cap dollars. Yes. So it's a very significant portion. This is what it costs to not have any cap flexibility at this time of year and need to pick up a player. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very expensive proposition. So, you know, I, 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 there are some people who never want to hear about the cap and I, it's, I find it very difficult to have a discussion about franchise building there. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it ends up people being frustrated with each other uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, not really wanting to take the cap into the cap, but screw the cap. Don't even tell me about the cap. Just put it on the credit card kind of thing. Well, no, this is what, this is the right. situation you get yourself into if you do that. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, a good example of that and people, you know, people will say, well, how can these teams spend all of this money? Well, look at the new Orleans saints right now. <laughs> um, then they are in uh, for a world of hurt next year. Again, and they and they they got out of it this year by. I mean, they're just kicking the can down the road. I mean, right now, they, uh, you know, they're going to be like sixty six million over the cap next year, and they don't have a lot of players to restructure anymore. Well, I mean, they could continue to do it, but they've, you know, they've 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 you know put that put that money on their credit card and created situations where you know it's hard to get out from under. So, you know, you could kick the can down the road and. To an extent, but at some point, you know, and now they're they're banking on the, the cap going through the roof over the next couple of years, which will certainly help them. But um, you got to be careful with that for sure. I mean, I think the Ravens have already kind of been skimming a little bit close to the line each year. They've had some tough injury years in terms of players had to pick up vet men guys, and vet men guys add up over time. You know, if you- yeah, sure. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is, and obviously every team went through this, but I mean these were, uh, you know, the the 2000 and 2001 especially were supposed to be great cap years for the Ravens, uh, and even this year, um, but the pandemic, and again mm-hmm. this goes for every team, but you know the pandemic really, I mean when the cap dropped substantially, uh, that that made, I mean that that was you know, that, that was hard for every team, but that's really created, you know, for the Ravens, these are supposed to be the years we were going to have plenty of cap space. I mean, I was looking forward to them. Yeah. I was thinking I wasn't going to have much of a job because there wasn't going to be much to explain because there was going to be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 million in cap space all the time. And nobody needed to hear from me, but uh, turned out, unfortunately for the pan for everybody with the pandemic, it didn't, uh, didn't work out that way. All right. Well, we all hope Rokon works out. Patrick Queen, obviously the contract that's most closely related to his. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's easy to see that there might be a situation where they can keep it one, but not both. They'll have to make a fifth year option decision on Patrick Queen. Looking at Roquan's contract, which looks to be about nine point three million he had in this year. It doesn't seem like too high a too high a cost on a fifth year contracted inside linebacker. No, I think yeah, I think that's something. Now, the, with the cap going up in the next couple of years, that could um, that could be a factor. But uh, no, I think that that's doable. Obviously, an extension 
uh, down the road, if Roquan gets done, then an extension for Queen probably is not in the cards. But mm-hmm. um, to keep him around for one more year, I, yeah, I don't think that the 10, 12 million range would be, um, uh, you know, obviously it depends. Lamar's, the, the elephant in the room is going to be Lamar's deal for, obviously it already has been, but obviously if he's on franchise tags the next two years, um, that that that's not going to be uh, not going to come much flexibility, if any. And in that case, maybe you can't pick up Queen, mm-hmm. um, but or you pick up Queen and maybe you trade him if 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 the, the cap isn't working out. You know, trade him next year, not next off season, but the off season after that, if the cap's not working out. Yeah, and and he's he's certainly has played well recently. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, this is a very big year for him in terms of transitioning into being just a better linebacker, but also you know, a guy that the Ravens might consider picking up on that fifth year deal, which, you know, after two years, I would have said the odds are pretty low. That was actually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly this so far and, you know, whether, uh, you know, now that he can play Robin to, to bat, you know, to Roquan's Batman, if that makes it a little easier on him too, I mean, he's already playing well, but um, that allows him to do some things that he's better at and they don't have to rely on him trying to fill the middle, so to speak uh, as much. Yeah, like I, the less you rely on him as a as a gap filling tackle maker, or, you know, block shedding tackle maker, uh, and and the less you rely on him in coverage specifically, probably the better. So he's he's done some very good things recently in the pass rush, in, in terms of playing sideline to sideline that I've liked better. Uh, in terms of coverage on that PD last week at New Orleans, but uh, but yeah, he's I think it is going to end up being one or the other of them. Uh, and and we'll see how that plays out because I think that uh, you know a lot of it comes down to what Roquan demands in this deal. Right. Roquan may decide he's a free agent, and yeah. right, sure. Let's move on. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. Um, he probably wouldn't have been on this list three weeks ago, but he <laughs> is playing exceptional football, and he's uh, he's filled an important need for the Ravens. The Ravens don't really have a good slot cornerback right now, and they have shown a willingness to play Kyle Hamilton as a slot corner against eleven personnel, which is is just very unusual. Talked a lot about that on the defensive pod this week, um, so, so I don't want to I don't want to extend this here. But uh, are are you pleased? You know, as a, as a Ravens fan, in terms of where Kyle Hamilton has got to in terms of growth right now, and 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 where he is, um, or would you have expected him to be a starter right out of the gate? Well, I mean, when you have Chuck Clark around, and you know, obviously when they when they drafted Hamilton, we weren't sure. I mean, there was a lot of speculation that Chuck was going to be traded, and uh, Chuck, seemed, I think he asked for a trade. I mean, I'm not sure that that's been official, but it certainly seems like uh, so. There've been some reports that he he asked for a trade. So um, in that case, I mean, obviously Hamilton would have been a starter, and they were, you know, but they could play mix and match early in the year, and. Maybe that didn't help Hamilton as much. Maybe a more defined role uh, is a little more helpful. Uh, but certainly, and it, you know, to take, I mean, it's if if we get, you know, if we could pick up the fifth year option and you get four and a half great years from him, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and leaving out an extension, uh, you know, if he had some growing pains that first half of the season, I, that that doesn't bother me. I know some some fans seem to think that you know they have to come in and they have to be superstars from the beginning. Um, I don't, I don't subscribe to that because uh, sometimes there's, there's a lot of adjustments that, um, both, both physically and mentally and, and even emotionally when you're, you're a pro now and things are a little different than college. So, uh, I'm not saying he had any issues like that, but you know, for some players it does, it, it is an issue. So, um, 
yeah, I, I'm pleased. I, I don't I don't have any qualms about a slow start. So be it. If he if he continues the way he is now, you know, nobody will remember that slow start. Yeah, I, I'm not bothered at all. The young producers, if you look at it by original draft round, Kyle Hamilton was a one, Matabike was a two, Owe is a one, Queen was a one, Roquan was a one, Gino Stone was a seven, and I think Broderick Washington was a five. I believe that's correct, uh, yeah. Originally. So so we're talking about mostly higher round draft picks, but what's nice about this is seven on the young producers list is a lot. The Ravens' mm-hmm. offense in 2019 might have been similar in terms of having about seven guys, and that was you know one of the greatest, youngest, cheapest offenses of all time. Yeah, uh, to, to sort of have this group together is is unusual. If I look at the offensive side, and we'll get to that in in the next show, um, there there is a group of players the Ravens have. It's close to seven, I think, might be six. But the guys that they they have there, there's just not the kind of upward. Uh, uh, the ceilings are a lot lower. Right on, the, sure. on the offensive players than, than they are on these guys on defense. Um, Geno Stone is a guy who's tremendously impressed me. Uh, obviously, playing the same position as Hamilton, don't think he's taking away snaps from Hamilton at this point. I think Stone really is a true free safety. Hamilton, they probably don't think of that way in terms of his play on the back end. But Geno Stone stepping in for Marcus Williams these last few weeks has been a revelation. Yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously, a seventh round pick you're not expecting a lot from, but um, you do have to wonder. I mean, obviously, he got caught in the roster crunch. Was that last year? Or is it two years ago now? Yeah, they they after year one, they year one, him. right? Yeah. And then um, you know, and, and Houston picked him up, and and um, they didn't even tender him an uh, 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 exclusive rights free agent offer, which is kind of mind boggling considering where he is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to say, we were lucky on that one to get him back. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's paid dividends and obviously quality depth, um, you know, and that was something we, you know, we're talking about Hamilton and stone and you said the free safety part, when people were complaining, when Williams went down and stone became the starter, I'm like, well, you've got, you've got to find areas. Hamilton's been doing this. If you bring him in and you move him to free safety, quote unquote, and then you bring Stone in doing something he hasn't practiced for, you got two guys playing sort of out of position. Whereas if you bring Stone in where he's been practicing, he's playing in position and you leave Hamilton where he was, you know, so I, I you know, there's a lot of, uh, well, you know how Twitter has gotten these days. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Hamilton is... Um, He's kind of going to be out of position no matter what he does, and he's going to have to define it. He's going to have to be a Tyron Matthew, that kind of player who just wherever he plays, that's where he is, and he's okay with that. But one thing that that, that I don't see good acceptance of on Twitter and other places, but just in general, I don't see good acceptance among fans, that you don't have to necessarily be a specific physical type to play slot corner. There's a lot of flex tight ends, in which case I think Hamilton is a very good matchup for them. Right, sure. There's a lot of pass rushing ability that goes there. I think he's a great matchup for that. I don't think anybody on the Ravens and very few corners in the entire NFL that are slot guys are really great matchups for whip route runners who are very quick. They don't, sure. they don't have to be fast, they're just quick. And, right. you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning completes pass after pass after pass to them. And right. you just you just have to deal with it. I think you, you 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 look at a player like Hamilton. He is what he is. And he delivers you some ability to 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 deal with the seam. He delivers you some ability to um, uh, trail in coverage, which is not probably at the highest level that you could get a slot corner. But he also gives you great downhill play. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you just you it's a it's a set of pluses and minuses. And compared to what the Ravens have otherwise at slot corner right now, I just think I'm 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 very excited by the prospect of seeing him in there more against eleven and and seeing how they deal with it. Maybe even seeing how they they do some switches when he's on the two the two receiver side or a three receiver side even, but a two receiver side. Um, whether they'll move a wide receiver inside, make the tight end be outside to try and get Hamilton matched up. And the Ravens will say, uh-uh. And then right. move Hamilton to the outside to cover the tight end. Kind of right, so sure. Looking forward to that. Uh, Justin Matabike, kind of a kind of a, a, a solid this year. We don't have to go over, over every single one of these players. But again, it was only one of them who's a free agent at the end of the year, and that's Roquan. So to have seven guys who are already in this young producer category, we already know their starters. They don't have a bunch of question marks associated with them. Uh, pretty exciting on one defense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the, you know, the the offense in 19, and this is that yin and yang of the salary cap and and draft picks. And, uh, it, you know, it'd be nice to be able to address both sides all the time every year, but it doesn't always seem to work out that way. So um, now the flip side is, you know, they had to, they, you know, they've invested a lot of draft, draft capital into the this, uh, defense. And thankfully, as you said, there's, you know, there's there's at least of their draft picks, there's six of them in this category. So um, so they've certainly done well. And obviously we expect um, some others, hopefully, at by the end of the year to as we get to the next column, uh, you know, the, to move into this. To, so when we do when we do this again in the spring, hopefully, uh, hopefully Rokan Wokwan is signed. Of course, that'll move him to the veterans category. Yep. But hopefully some of these other guys on the, the next list will be. Uh, will be six or seven or eight or maybe nine guys we'll be talking about in this category. Yeah, at, uh, you know, you 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 certainly want more in that developmental category, and that's where you put a first contract player when you really don't know yet. And right. it's a bad thing when when they're when they when I have to put them in the transitional category because that's the only play, other place they can go. Right. 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 So, uh, but Adafiowe, uh, I I think I I personally feel like he's been kind of overbeat on for what's happened to him this year. Asked to play out of position a ton. At the same spot, he's moving back to rush now with Bowser back. I think that will really help him. Ravens certainly do have a lot of rush linebackers that maybe can't let him play there exclusively. But I think whatever he's asked to do is going to be more natural to him when he's trying to beat a tackle one-on-one, uses athleticism more to make that left tackle usually overreact to what he's doing. I think that he has a better chance to uh, put up more gaudy numbers down the stretch. I think also there's the rest of the defense has gotten a little better, which will, which is going to help him as well. Well, and absolutely. And when you've got, you know, when you've got Houston on the other side, as hot as he is and, and, and Pierre Paul, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling like he might be a guy they're going to slide inside on, on uh, clear, um, clear passing downs. But Mm -hmm. um, when you've got those other guys, you know, that they have to pay as much attention to or more attention to that may certainly help him out as well. Yeah. And that's a good, that's a good point. I mean, and and also, yeah, he'll be helped on the outside. It may also really help the inside guys to have a true fan out guy. And, you know, with the kind of quickness he has, you know, he, he, he's like Von Miller in terms of his ability to fan out a left tackle, if that's what he chooses to do. Right. Right. Uh, So he can, he can certainly do that. Broderick Washington, great rotational place for the Ravens. And I tell you what, he went into camp, not in my mind with a, with a, with a spot guarantee. You know, they had a lot of depth at, at the defensive line. A third year player is, you know, a step from being a fourth year player right on the bubble then. And we hadn't seen all that much of Broderick Washington, but he definitely stepped up his game, had a good camp and good preseason. And I think he's, uh, uh, you know, he's a, a player they certainly will keep through year four. 
I don't think he'll be at, in any danger next year of being uh, of being cut prior to the season. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, assuming he continues to play the way he is, I, you know, I think as you said, he's a nice rotational piece, um, and um, if he keeps playing the way he is, you know, maybe you know we've we've certainly seen other players uh, hit that fourth year and then you know take even even bigger step and whether he stays here or goes somewhere else, uh, you know, that will be, uh, that, you know, that will be uh, to see what's in the cards for that for sure. But uh, it's certainly, you know, happy to have him here. And for, as you know, for a fifth round pick, that's a nice, that's a nice return. If you get you know, even two solid years out of it, oh, you know, sure. this, you know, or, or, or three, you know, that's great. So you, you bring up a great point here because they've got the year three players here are Matabike, Gino Stone and Braddock Washington. Is any of the three of those a good candidate for an early extension deal, as they did with Chuck Clark, as we've seen with other players? I think Patrick Ricard fell into that same category. Do you think? Do you see any of those three guys as being one that the Ravens say, you know what, Geno Stone, two point five million for for a year for three years, kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends on what they. I mean, since you mentioned Stone in particular, what they see his role going forward and where they, where they see Hamilton and, and things like that. Um, I think Matabike is probably the more likely one. I mean, he's got the higher, higher uh, draft pedigree as well, although that may make him ask for more, you know, right. stone you might, because he's a former seventh rounder and it's, it's, it's unfair, but you know, it does seem like that, you know, contracts and extensions uh, come along that way based on you know, the higher your draft pick, the more you can ask for. So, uh, but I would think of the, all of all of those, uh, probably Matabike would be um, the one they'd want to get done the most. Um, whether you know safeties, you can find safeties. Um, not that I'm not you know down downing stone in any way, shape, or form, um, putting him down in any way. But um, but it might be you know as you said, he's played well at free safety, and if they don't think Hamilton is that's where he's going to end up in any way, shape, or form, or, or you know. Um, well, he doesn't have to, I guess, if, if you've got Williams there as well. But so, uh, yeah, but that could be, uh, you know, a depth guy. And it, obviously they're learning how to play three safeties. I will we'll get to Chuck Clark in a little bit. I'm not sure he's going to be here next year. So whether Stone kind of helps fill that role and is, and that's how that's how we got, you know, that's how Chuck Clark got extended in the first place. So it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, very. I, I think you're alluding to the fact that Chuck Clark had the green dot, and and Geno Stone, honestly, on this team, I think I think he's the next guy up on the green dot. I think he makes the most sense mm-hmm. for for me. I don't think it'll be an inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, Roquan will have the dot in four weeks or something after he gets it." Roquan didn't even play all the snaps the first game. Yeah. So yeah, he, next next year, next year maybe if he's yeah. resigned, and you know, but yeah, until then, I agree. All right, let's move on to the developmental group, and and uh, we'll go through these a little quicker, I promise you. But we are going to hit on each one of these players because they're all a little special. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis, Malik Harrison, Travis Jones, David Ajabo, Brandon Stevens, Pepe Williams, and Josh Ross. Seven guys who are all still on their rookie deals, uh, but something is holding them back. They either haven't gotten their chance yet or they haven't played well enough in, in the chance they've had that they're not a you know in that young producer category. But we're still hoping as you mentioned earlier, that we're going to move up. Let's let's start right off with with Jalen Armour Davis in terms of of what's happening. It's a little little surprising to me. He was inactive for four straight weeks, I believe. There between weeks four and seven, if I recall correctly. 
Yeah, and I mean, I that that could have to do that. I mean, I think he was a little banged up. It could also have to do with special teams. Um, I don't know if he was playing much special teams at Bama. Um, so that you know, because Seymour was uh, obviously active during those times as the reserve as a reserve uh, cornerback, and then obviously because of special teams ability. So um, you know, I mean, he's on his rookie deal, uh, mid round pick coming off of injury. Uh, and I don't, you know, again, a lot of fans seem to think that uh, he's a bust. You know, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not immediately a contributor, you're a bust. Well, um, you know, we've we've seen corners before that have come on, and, you know, in their second or third or fourth year. So, um, you know, I have no complaints about that. I don't know that he's going to move. By the end of this year, he's going to move out of the developmental category. But um, we'll see what happens with Marcus Peters next year and then the slot. Um, whether they try to bring Fuller back again or, you know, what's going to happen there. So uh, I think I certainly think, you know, they they draft him in the fourth and with the hopes that he could turn into something. So I, I certainly think that nothing has changed with that for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's first of all, any any draft pick, really, they're not looking at it as the one year arrangement. They're looking no. at it as a and, and at cornerback. We've Anthony Averett is probably the, right. the prototypical fourth round pick. And I think he got 65 snaps his first year and 200 his second. And Armour Davis still could get there in terms of, uh, of where he's doing. But he hasn't played a lot of football lifetime. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm saying that's a reason to hold him back. Sure. Uh, you know, to, uh, from from snaps, and it might it may be year three before he's really a, uh, a a contributor in his case. I would not be shocked if that were the way of it. I the th- the only thing I'm kind of bothered by so far, and I I almost hope that it's the injuries in this case, but is the fact that he's he really hasn't only lost times to Kayvon Seymour, who has a special teams role, but also to Daryl Worley, who's been on and off the roster. Yes, for yeah. like a pair of used underwear. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Let's go on to Malik Harrison. Obviously, the Ravens have asked him to do all sorts of things. In a way, he's gotten the Kamalai Correa treatment of of playing both outside linebacker and inside linebacker, and maybe they may have held him back a little bit in terms of his own development in that fact. And now he's in a position where the team's chock full of outside linebackers and the team's chock full of inside linebackers, and snaps are at a tremendous premium. Kind of difficult to see how he's going to get back on the field again. Yeah, I certainly for this year and obviously, uh, you know, depends for next year whether Roquan's back. Um, I mean, I think he's solid enough depth, but I, as you said, I, I don't see him anytime soon moving out of this developmental category. And uh, this is his third year. So next year, fourth year, I don't I, you know, I think at this point he's probably safe um as a because i don't think josh Bynes is going to be back next year so Mm -hmm. as as a depth piece but um but obviously if it's queen and roquan smith ahead of him and they stay healthy you know it's not going to see much time uh inside linebacker i don't think he's hurt his stock in terms of his versatility and by that i really mean and this is important that the quality of his play at both positions has met a minimum standard that i think they'd be okay with to to replace an injury at either position if they exactly, needed yeah. to. Exactly. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of times versatility is mentioned and sometimes it's for offensive linemen. I'm not picking on Patrick McCary specifically because I think it's been used with Tyree Phillips, for example, completely inappropriately. When the mm-hmm. guy didn't really have versatility because he can't play tackle. Right. And and and, and there really was not a lot of evidence that he could play guard either. But, <laughs> but the Ravens figured it out and they and they and they cut him. And Harrison, extremely valuable special teams player in addition to his linebacker duties. So you know, a role that Christian Welch seems to have held 
this year, I think that's kind of the floor for where we would see Harrison this next Right, year. right. Yeah. Uh, Dalen Hayes. I want to talk to you about him because he's a guy who the Ravens maintained control of only because when they released him injured, he was not picked up, went through the waiver system, and then reverted to IR. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the that's the um, mechanism of uh, when you when you when you uh, want to put a guy on on injury reserve. If you do it before the final cutdown, you have to injury waive them, which exposes them to waivers. I mean, if they're not claimed, they automatically revert to. Um, and this is the uh, years ago. I don't remember who it was now, and I, I don't think the guy ever amounted to anything. But it was a it was a, a draft pick. It was a third round pick, and some team uh, tried that early, and Belichick swoop, swooped in and and claimed mm-hmm. him on waivers, held on to him till the final cutdown, and then the final cutdown put him on IR. But obviously, you know, depends on ninety guys on the roster. You, you know, in the in the off season, you would think that it's not much of an issue, but uh, when you're trying to save your starters. And, you know, you got to get guys on the field. Sometimes you need those, even up to 90, you need that 90 spot. Let me let me t- t- walk through that because the Ravens had some guys they could have cut this year that would have just been handshake agreements that they didn't. Mike Davis comes to mind. And I was sure Mike Davis was going to get cut. It didn't happen. Sure. It, it kept him on the roster. Right. So th- they had another spot where I believe what you're referring to with the Belichick move, they could have ha- kept Hayes on the roster, then put him on IR even if it was for the year, if they really cared to save him? Well, I mean, they, I mean, they, they'll have his rights next year. So that that's not a problem. Um, no, I'm, I, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. I'm not making my point clear. Okay. So, so if they put him on season ending IR, and I, th- I thought this is what I'm gathering from you prior to the cut down, then he goes through the waiver process and might be claimed. Correct. If they put him on IR after he's already made the 53, first of all, he's not gone for the year necessarily probably is anyway, depending right. on the injury. But but more importantly, no one can claim him. There's no process to claim him. He's on IR. and is Right. Claimed. Well, there's a middle area too. Um, so it's cut him before final cutdowns. You have to expose, that exposes him to injury waivers. If you put him on IR at the final cutdown, you can put him directly on IR. And then okay. if you keep him on the 53, you can, you have the ability to try and recall him uh, from IR, uh, have him return from IR later in the season. So I guess his injury wasn't such that that was that, that was going to be an issue for them. Uh, but they could have held him till the final cutdown and then put him directly on IR, which, to be honest with you, probably says a lot about their feelings about him uh, and what they and Obviously, he's he's been injured most of his two years now. So. Um, and we've certainly seen that, you know, derail careers before. So, uh, but the fact that they did put him on IR so early, and I think, and I think part of that again is that you wouldn't think with a ninety-man roster at that point that numbers is an issue. But when you're not playing starters the way teams are now, and you know, and your your top reserves much during the preseason, then you've got a situation where you need some of that you 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 know you don't want him at the 90th man who can't play you need your 90th man to be able to play on those last especially that last game of the year so um that so that's but it also again i think it might speak volumes that hey if he gets claimed he's not our problem anymore he's off our roster he's off our cap okay all right i i did not understand the mechanics of that obviously and that's why we love to have you on this show 
Uh, not the only reason, but we love that. Tra- the next two guys are interesting uh, guys who definitely have star potential and the ability to rise to the young producer category. Travis Jones uh, has looked pretty good to date. He certainly had his moments. Uh, I think he would be doing better if if he could play with Pierce on some early downs and play three tech instead. I think the Ravens would really benefit from having him uh, maul, uh, ragdoll some guards, sure. uh, which I think he's perfectly capable of. Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean, obviously I think you know when he was healthy early in camp, uh, you know he was a star, so to speak. I mean, there how does this guy fall in the third round? And unfortunately, he you know his development got delayed a little there because of uh, because of his injury. Um, and then now, as you said, he's perhaps playing a little out of position for where his you know his optimum position maybe he's not in. So yeah, I mean, I think you know when I said earlier that. Guys, you hope by the end of the year have have moved up the category. He's certainly uh, he and the next one coming up for sure. The two that stand out the most to me, uh, as far as guys that hopefully when we're when we're talking in the spring, they are in the young producer category. Take us into David Ajaba. Yeah, I mean, this is what they this is what we've been waiting for. You uh, and obviously it'll we'll, it'll take time perhaps, but you've got a first round talent. You know. Um, w- whether he, you know, I mean, they've got the depth now that they don't, they, you know, they don't have to put him out there and, you know, him look terrible and they got to keep putting him out there and him look terrible and, you know, and then people sour on him, but, you know, they can, they can pick and choose there. Um, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to play a lot of snaps, uh, you know, and I mean, really, I mean, think about it. You've got four, you've got four edges. If you take Bowser out and consider him a linebacker. So, uh, you know, they're in great, um, you know, uh, considering how bad it was at the beginning of the year, how bleak yeah. it was at the beginning of the year with the pass rush. And obviously the last couple of weeks, it's already started picking up. Um, and that was before, even before Bowser came back and now, uh, now Jabo too. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see him. Uh, you know, again, I'm not expecting 10 sacks between now and the end of the year, but, um, you know, they can pick and choose their spots and it'd just be nice to see him on the field. And I mean, it's, you know, it's prep for next year or maybe by the playoffs, he's on fire, you know? So, uh, that, that, I mean, athleticism is off the charts, obviously. Yeah. I, 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 I guess I, I'll, I'd ask you put a sticking over under for me on the number of sacks he'll have in the regular season. So we're saying the next, the next eight games. I mean, I I think if he has three, it's fantastic because I'm not expecting him I agree to, with that. <laughs> to um, you know, to play 75% of the I'm sorry. That's my no dog this time. Um, okay. um so I'm not expecting to pay 75% of the snaps. Um, so you know, that's um so I, I think three would be fantastic. Any more than that is is even better because you know, I mean, with Houston on fire and, and uh, as you said, with getting Owe back to more his normal position and Pierre Paul mixed in there as well. I mean, I think you've got a, you know, a nice, uh, nice group there. I, I'm going to say 1.5 would be my number. And I, I okay. at that number. I'm not even sure which way you'd, you'd have to lay action, lay more mm-hmm. money to, to, to make one back. So uh, I just want to remind people of some of the guys who played outside linebacker for the Ravens this season so far, just to talk about how bad it's been. Steven Means uh, was injured on his first snap of the year. Is that correct? <laughs> I thought that was correct. And now I'm seeing. I think it might be correct. Yeah, it was yeah. early for sure. And, and uh, 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 he might have played a game against the Jets and then got injured on his first snap at home. But anyway, injured almost immediately. And and obviously, 
that's the kind of thing that really hurts your cap. And I, I think people don't really realize that, but they're now liable for that entire salary for the year because he made the original 53. Yes. Yeah, so, but I believe he had a split salary. Um, so thankfully, yeah, he had a split salary. So instead of counting 895 against the cap, he only counted uh, a little under 500. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but that, that every little bit helps. So yeah, guys that are getting veterans are getting one year deals generally have those split salaries. Uh, Vince Bagel, who went down in the preseason, same thing. He's had, he's had a split, he has a split salary. Um, so that's, you know, those, those kind of guys, um, it works out better. I mean, but you are, you're still, they're still on the cap. And then we mentioned means, but the other three guys who played Devon Kennard played last week and he played the NFL for a while. So not entirely shocking. Uh, Copeland, the, the ex Gilman guy uh, played right. looks like 51 snaps and Ada Ocho played eight snaps. So if you're thinking about trivia questions for the future, you might want to get this inside linebacker group in your or outside linebacker group in your yeah. mind in terms of yeah. um, who actually yeah. spent time playing. That, on that's, that's a, that's a lot of duct tape there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It really is. It was a uh, you know difficult uh, difficult few weeks there. Uh, let's move on to Josh Ross. Obviously played really well in the preseason. Looked like an inside linebacker who could cover. Had some real awareness. Uh, I was kind of more excited about him after seeing all of the guys play. Kobe McLean is a name a lot of people liked as a as a really powerful tackler, and you know you, you could see some of that. But Josh Ross was the guy I really liked in the preseason. Yeah, and he's he's another one of those guys that you know special, just very good on special teams. Um, I think he's got, I don't, you know, they've they've been certainly they've had those kind of guys that they've developed. Uh, Josh Bynes being one, you know, and, and by year two and three, all of a sudden, you know, um, they've they've actually go from undrafted free agent to starter. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with Ross, but um, but he's certainly a guy that. I don't know if he's going to get off a of developmental. I mean, he, I think he's a guy, it sounds like they're going to bring him back uh, at some point, um, you know, because he's going to get healthy enough to come back. So uh, it's certainly a, an option there, but, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not this spring, but hopefully by the following spring, we can maybe move him up into young producers. Yeah, that would be, uh, so year three, you're, you're thinking. Now the clock is running on him, right? So, so there will be no stop of the stoppage of the clock if he spends the whole year on, um uh the practice squad next year right uh if he's on the practice squad next year the the if he's on the 53 next year then that would be a second year. i mean he's been on ir but he'll 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 crew a season this year so he'll be a second year uh not just a second year player second year league but considered a second year player um now if he stays on if he's on uh, if he's on the practice squad all year then no he then he would not uh could get an accrued season but uh, my guess is, you know, I would think at this point they're expecting to be on the 53 next year. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Okay. So let me see. Who do we have left in this category? The two slot corner uh, benchies, really, <laughs> uh, St Stevens and Pepe Williams. So Stevens has really not uh, played too much slot corner. He has played a little bit. Mostly he's played on the outside, and that bumps Humphrey into the slot. So it's an extra kind of a disadvantage to having Stevens be your third corner is that he's might be reducing Humphrey's value. And that's, that is my take on the situation. There's some people who say Humphrey's a fine slot corner, play him wherever you need to, but I think you get more out of Humphrey's physicality on the outside. Uh, it may be that Stevens 
is certainly, I, I, I think, I, I think if, if there's any place that Steven's going to be okay, it's probably going to be on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously I mean, he's a depth piece at this point and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with Marcus Peters after this year. Um, and obviously they have less draft picks next year uh, based on the Roquan trade. So, and they're not going to be expecting any um, comp picks. So they have the five picks right now. And uh, my guess is they'll trade down at some point and pick up an additional pick or two, but um, they're not going to, they're not flush in picks. So um, they're going to need Stevens and, and certainly Pepe Williams to, you know, take a next step either, either as the, as this year goes on or certainly by, by next year. Yeah. Pepe Williams look a little more athletic to me. He looks like he plays longer than he is I me. Mean, I think he reaches across the body. Well, but has been behind in trail coverage and it's just had some difficulty with crossing routes. Uh, smaller guy, you would kind of expect that a guy who's maybe not quite as fast as some of the, some of the receivers, obviously who might play any position in this league, frankly um, it also it could be an issue, but you know, kind of an interesting, tough downhill guy who played well in the preseason. I had more hopes for him than I think has really come to fruition during the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the competition steps up the way, you know, the way teams are doing preseason now and, you know, he's playing against guys that aren't on rosters or, or are reserves like he is and he held his own. But obviously when you get your, uh, your T Higgins is and your, you know, uh, Jamar chases, it, it changes things drastically. All right. Well, that's all the, the players in the developmental group. Let's move on to the next group, a big group, the veterans playing for market value. There's 10 of them in this category. And this is where most of the cap gets spent. You, you, you have a little bit of cap spent on other veteran categories, but most of it is spent right here. Those 10 players are Tyus Bowser, Calais Campbell, Chuck Clark, Justin Houston, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jason Pierre-Paul, Michael Pierce, Brent Urban, and Marcus Williams. So a lot of the highest played players on the entire team are here. Um, you know, one of the nice things about this year is the Ravens don't, in my opinion, really have a cap value concern right now. If you had a player in this group that might not be playing up to his salary, maybe it's Peters, I guess, if you'd be most concerned about. Maybe Michael Pierce because he's not on the field. Um, he was the other guy that I, that I considered dropping down to the veteran cap value concern, but I, I pick a player here and, and, um, and tell us what you think about him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think it's, to me, it looks like three categories here. You've got, um, you've got Bowser, Humphrey, um, Marcus Williams and Pierce mm-hmm. who are veterans who are going to be here next year, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got your free agents all on, all on what, well, not Peters, but, um, you've got your free agents, Houston, Pierre, Paul and urban on one year, very minimal deals. Um, Houston's probably, um, worked his way out of that category, minimum deal. Um, if, especially if he keeps up what he's doing, he's probably priced himself out of Baltimore, given the young, you know, the two young, uh, pass rushers they have Peters. I don't know what to think about Peters. Um, they love him, but they certainly don't seem to want to commit to him beyond this year. And maybe they wanted to see how the injury went. Um, they did not, when they restructured him, they in the spring, they didn't restructure the, or two springs ago, they didn't restructure the whole deal, mm-hmm. which to me said they didn't want to put more dead money on the cap for this year. Now, obviously, 
given the injuries they had last year, they needed him. Um, but I thought he was a potential cap cut at that point was think looking forward was thinking he might be a cap cut. Um, so there's that category. And then there's two guys um, here, Campbell and Clark, who, because of their salaries next year, and especially if they have to franchise Lamar, I could see being um, being cap casualties uh, this coming off season. So when you look at those guys, that's kind of the kind of the categories I put them. The guys are surely to be here. The guys on one year deals that may or may not be here, um, or in, in Houston's case, probably pricing himself out. I mean, Urban, you could probably get back on another one year deal, mm-hmm. and he he seems to love he and his wife because his wife's on Twitter a lot. They yeah. seem to love it here, so I think that's an easy one. Um, but and you know Pierre Paul, who knows? We'll see how that plays out the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, so I I see those that group and kind of those categories, and a lot of it is we'll see what happens from here. Yeah, it's uh, obviously when you have those these cheap guys, it's not a stable condition in most cases, and it's very rare that you run into the Anthony Levine that you can keep for years at basically the minimum plus maybe a little bit of additional bonus money or or Pernell McPhee. Right. Would be in that category. Josh Bynes has been in that category now for, well, I guess, three seasons with the Ravens that not all in a row. <laughs> right. But, right. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting group. And Justin Houston, I think he may, did he have escalators in his contract that we know of that he's he going to hit? He already did. So he had, well, he said some. He had um, in, uh, not likely to be earned incentives. Uh, he got 500000 for five when he reached five sacks. He got an additional 500 when he hit seven and a half. Uh, so that's where he is now. If he gets to 10, he gets another 500. And if he makes the Pro Bowl, he gets another 500. So he had up to 2 million in, in uh, you know, and I'll they'd be happy for, because he's only, what is he? He's, I think his cap number is only two and a half million, or is it even less than that? Uh, let's take um, a quick look. Yeah. So, um, you may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores, but that's not beer. That's why it's in the water section. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out liquid death, pick it up yourself, and go on over and get it at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. I'll bring it up right now. I'm sorry. Uh, three, I'm sorry, three and a half. So if so, if he gets the extra two, you're, pay, you're paying him this year now that the two million would, would hit against the cap next year. Uh, but you're, so basically you're paying 5.5 million He's already got eight sacks, you know, so it'd be, I mean, it'll be a, a, a huge upset if he doesn't get the 10, uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take uh five, a guy making 5.5 million, giving me, giving me 10 sacks, <laughs> sure. you know, in a heartbeat and hopefully he gets beyond, he gets well beyond 10. 
Yeah, it, it, it's uh, he's actually the kind of player, I guess, who could generate a comp pick for the Ravens, right? If he if he were to sign a contract, or is there a limitation on age? No, um, let's see, how old is he now? Thirty three. Thirty three. So yeah, they, he he could still get them a comp pick. It can't be any more than a fifth. Okay, and it probably it's, wouldn't be any more than a fifth anyway. No, that is age. He's not going out there and getting you know, uh, 16 million a year or anything like that, but he's certainly getting more than the two and a half million left from last year and the three and a half million he's gotten this year. Right. Or at least the, the base deal. Yeah. It, it's been good to see him playing so well. And he, uh, he seems to be a good leader. And they, and the other thing, just his ability to take advantage of what other players are doing. It kind of reminds me of a way of what, where Marcus Peters was a few years ago and his ability to um, know what the pass rush was doing and use that in his coverage how he would gamble in coverage, but Houston that, that last game where he had two and a half sacks and one interception, it was all playing off other players, two, two mm-hmm. great plays off Patrick queen, another great play that got finished up by the hardest kid I've seen in the year by Campbell. Yeah. And, the, and then the, uh, the interception of course off urban's tip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it's, he's been, I mean, he, he's obviously carried their pass rush and now the reinforcements are here. So, and, and he's done it on limited snaps. So, I don't know that he can keep that pace up, but but that's probably going to be more a snap count from that's going to that snap count's going to kind of stay in that range probably. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, let's go back to Calais Campbell for a moment because he's a player who still has a four and a half million dollars salary next year. Um, I, I oh he has a two million dollar roster bonus, so it's really six and a half. Million. Six and a half, correct. Yeah, so the Ravens can save that, but. Is it also a case where Campbell is playing so well that he may actually say, no, I want to negotiate a new two-year deal beginning? I mean, I guess it's possible what they, you know, what they feel. I mean, if if they say, no, we're keeping you on this deal, he doesn't have much of a choice. But um, that would be something where they could, you know, with kind of the way they did with Suggs in his latter years, um, where they kind of extended – uh, and and like did it with Yonda too, where they extended yes. a year, added a year every year, and uh, yeah, and then that would reduce, you know, so that's six and a half million, which is the the amount that they can play with, you know, if they can knock that down a couple million by adding an extra year on the back, then, you, you know, you feel that you feel comfortable in that that's you know you don't you you saved enough, um, you got some cap savings out of you didn't save the whole six and a half million like you would if you cut him. But you get some of that. Um, you get some of that back, so to speak. You kind of cut cut it in the middle. I, I will say this: Calais Campbell is the kind of player I would expect that to be an issue. Ed Reed, I think they did that at the end. I think even Derek Mason, they may have done it at the end too. And you would know better than me. But Calais Campbell has made one hundred and forty-one million dollars playing this game in terms yeah. of cash paid. Okay, and it's not that's not what his cap paid. Well, it's not number, right. dollars not paid. That's that's cash paid. Um, I, that is a hell of a lot of money. And I don't think, you know, six and a half million to play next year is going to be the determinant. I think he, he could, he literally might say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll come back for another year and let's bump my salary a little bit this year, bonusify it some way, maybe into some void years even, and we can make this work for everybody kind of thing. Or he might, he might say, Hell, we just were so close to getting a ring this year. Let's do it next. Let's try. Well, it. and that's I think that's a big factor in it too. Obviously, mm-hmm. if 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 they go deep in the playoffs but come up short, that that you know that that allure of giving it one more shot um, 
hey, if they win a Super Bowl, he's probably hanging them up, you know. So mm -hmm. this isn't even an issue. He retires and that six and a half million, they get that six and a half million in cap savings. Yeah. Still a great player. Still shows up on my list of uh, star treatment every week. I mean, literally, I, the notes we take have so many 93s in the index column. Mm -hmm. that that <laughs> if I were to do star treatment every week, just by the number of play, he'd be in there. Literally there'd be very few weeks where he wouldn't be in there, okay. but, uh, but he's anyway, unbelievably great player. Uh, Marcus Williams at all concerned about his value relative to cap at this point, or do you think this is a one-off injury? You don't expect to him to, to affect. Him? No, I don't. It doesn't sound like it should affect him. Um, he, he, he's young. They've, you know, even if he comes back and he's not a hundred percent, he certainly should be a hundred percent by, you know, by next September. Or so, um, and, and obviously he's going to come back. So it's not like it was a season ending injury to start with. So now I, I don't, I don't have any concerns. Aaron, he was playing, you know, I mean, he was, this, he, it was obviously those first couple games, the several of the plays he made, they were like, wow, there's, there's that center fielder we've needed. Um, whether it was, whether it was in the passing game or the run game, when he thought di his diagnosing things was something we haven't seen at, no offense to Eric Weddle, um, uh, but uh, that that's something we haven't seen since Ed Reed. All right, no, I, I agree. He's been uh, he's he was absolutely outstanding, certainly early in the year. Uh, you know, we mentioned there's really no veteran cap value concerns on this team this year. In fact, you know, the the kind of concern that's there would be a Peters, who it's not a concern because next year they can cut him if they want to. Uh, oh. Sorry, he's he's not under contract, right? Peter, cut him. You're right, <laughs> so, Peters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, the other one would be Pierce. And Pierce is the only one who's a little bit of a strange one. Here. Obviously, the Ravens have had on and off issues with Pierce coming into camp heavy right. and not being exactly where they want in terms of fitness. Not as bad as they've had with Cleveland, obviously, in the past. You know, and they want him to be a big guy. So it's part of, part of that edge they need to walk on very carefully is is making sure that Pierce doesn't come in. I'm sure I don't think it'd be too much of a danger they come in too light, but but making sure that they don't ask him to to really starve himself and be less strong entering camp because that's a lot of his value there. Uh, I, I'm I do look at it. And I think there's two million in savings if Pierce is cut next year. Any chance that happens? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know. Uh, you know, he he stayed away from off season program. Um, he, you know, which usually when you, it's when you're for now, he'd been here before grinding, but when you, you know, when you mm -hmm. sign a new deal, the expectation is that you're going to, especially with the weight issues, you're going to show up. Uh, I guess it's just a question of how, and he was playing well though, before he got hurt. So I, I guess the question is how deeply are they concerned about those issues? Um, I, his, his salary, I mean, basically he's got a $4 million salary, which includes 250 for workout bonuses to make sure he tries to stay in shape to get <laughs> some incentive, uh, which they, 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 I, I think he's, I think McKinney had some, uh, Bryant McKinney had some mm -hmm. like that, but those are the only two that I ever recall them other than the the standard ones that every Dan Cody, anyway. maybe ever Dan Cody have them. Um, no. or he never got to a second contract. No, he never got to a second. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he's not terribly expensive. It, it would be somewhat unlike them to pull the plug after the first year of a three-year deal. Um, but again, we get back to, you know, I'll say this and I'll probably say this in the second segment a lot too. It, you know, if Lamar, if they, if Lamar's contract 
uh, you know, is not resolved and he's counting 47 million on the cap, whatever, 45, 47 million on the cap. There are going to be some tough decisions they have to make in places they don't want to. And this could certainly be one of those situations. All right. We, we will certainly dig into that deeply on the second show. Let's talk about the transitional players. And these are guys who I didn't see as really having any long-term future with the club. It doesn't mean that one of them won't be back under some circumstances or even three of them. And I think it has even happened. I'm trying to remember the player that a transitional player has come back and made the young producer category at a later time. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a hundred percent that these young guys in particular, but Vince Beagle's on the list, an older guy, outside linebacker. The team is pretty flush with outside linebackers. Didn't see him coming back. Josh Bynes. I think we're both in agreement. Kyle Fuller, you know, I don't know. They overpaid him this year. Uh, in my opinion, I thought he would be in a vet men guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, we find out he's what, two and a half or 3 million, right? Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be an overpayment. And it turned out it, it was obviously based on the injuries. Uh, I, apparently I put Dalen Hayes in here a second <laughs> time. So I, this is, as I go through this, I'm editing the article here right. that I'll, I'll be putting out on the topic. So let me just take that out of there. Uh, then Steven means, uh, if they were to resign him, it would probably be a, a an upset given where they are and, and his age and coming off an injury and whatnot. Delshawn Phillips, a special teams guy they got from the jets. Um, they keep him active every week. You know, so they obviously like him for special teams, but right. he's only played one defensive snap this year. Uh, Kayvon Seymour, same deal, basically, is, is you know, a special teams only guy. And then Christian Welch, who I think is a, a very high probability of not being on the team next year. I don't know where you're saying on that, but he'll be a fourth-year player. And, you know, if a Josh Ross or somebody is really the guy he's competing against, I don't see how he beats him out with the clock at, at uh, you know, 3-10 and 10, right. uh, where they are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, and obviously that's somewhat, uh, you know, if Roquan is resigned, then you that that pushes the the you know the lesser linebacker, lesser inside linebackers down a spot. Um, I think of that list. Um, I think Seymour's probably the most likely to be back. Um, they, they like him special teams while he, you know, he he struggled last year when he had to, you know, when he had to play corner. Uh, he he still we've we've seen some really bad reserve cornerbacks in our history, and I don't think he was he I don't think he's a Frank Walker. <laughs> I don't think he's a um, um, who was the other one I was thinking well, of? I mean, Willie Gaston and the guys yeah, on the oh, outside, yeah. Nate oh, Jackson. Yes, and, yeah, uh, some of those. It, it, uh, Frank Walker, he he has a really bad rap. It, he he wasn't great, but but he was above the replacement level. And a whole bunch of the other guys you're talking about are way below. The well, that's level. true. And yeah. Frank's biggest problem was he was too handsy and was constantly grabbing, mm-hmm. grabbing guys. Uh, but of course, that was because they were getting behind him, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, the, the penalty was probably better than the touchdown. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think Seymour's a guy because of the special teams. And maybe he's in that. um, uh, um He's in that role where I'm a kid. Oh my gosh, forgot his name. You mentioned him earlier. Go Levine. year to year, Levine. Yes, maybe he's the the new Anthony Levine as far as uh, a reserve DB who's you know the special teams ace, so to speak. That that would be the way to get Geno Stone back. But I think Geno would have to test the market as a free safety before he'd be convinced that hey, he's a permanent Raven. You know, and he'll play here nine years. Right, right. Uh, but 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 they're all going to be at two year deals at you know four hundred thousand above the vet minimum. Right, right. Yeah. 
would be great. I mean, if they, if they could figure out a way to make that happen, it would be uh, it would be very exciting. But he's been. Yeah, I thought Tony Jefferson would be the guy. I thought they would really hold on to him. And, you know, they just they did not find room for him on this roster, even though I think right now they could they could be making use of him if they had him. Yeah, I mean, I think that just became a numbers game um, with the injuries they had. And, um, you know, and just some, you know, they were flush in some spots and they didn't want to give up on certain guys. I mean, obviously, we'll get it to the next segment. But, you know, Nick Boyle, they expected to be healthy and be much more of a um, – contributor um than he has been and that 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 you know that that was carrying four tight ends which you know was was not one well, josh i guess josh oliver's probably been the kind of the big surprise there mm-hmm. um and and jefferson they had enough dbs that they felt that jefferson i mean I, they would have loved him have on the practice squad i'm sure um and then you know rotated him up and down kind of what they've done with Worley. um and then eventually probably the plan probably was eventually to add him to the 53 Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't work out that way for him, obviously. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly is a shame how it happened. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're, we'll uh, we'll call it here. And uh, Brian, always love having you on the show. Any opportunity to talk football with you, I always I always jump on. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work and contact you online. Sure. So as long as Twitter still exists, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, I'm on Twitter. That's where I'm most active at Raven Salary Cap. Uh, obviously, any. Big signings, big cuts, um, you know, this time of year, not a whole lot for me to do, but certainly uh, as we get into the off season, hopefully well into February, we, we could, you know, we'll start talking about the off season then as opposed to sometime in January. But, um, you know, that's, that's my active time. And then of course my, um, my articles are on Russell street report. Um, and certainly my, my big article that, uh, comes out usually, uh, well, once the season ends is that, that cap preview of, of who, who's on the roster, who's the free agent, you know, where we are with the cap, um, you know, what, uh, what the exclusive rights free agents are getting and things like that and kind of put that, try to put that puzzle together. I, I make special comment always in the, um, article itself about how I've referred to his contract details, but those are also out there still on Russell street. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. The most up-to-date numbers are, are always, uh, as far as the spreadsheets and things like that, the most up-to-date cap space is always there. Okay. And OTC is the site that you recommend as your source of information that you use to structure the things, but your structure goes in, I think more detail than what's out there in OTC, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I mean, they, they you know they do a great job, but obviously, I'm only I only have to follow one team. They have to follow 32, so um, you know that's why my stuff is generally a little more update. Uh, and you know, this time of year, there's not going to be a you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar variation in our numbers, but mine are pretty much always up to date with the uh, with the um, NFL PAs, which which what they put out. So. Um, but yeah, so OTC is a great site and they do a lot of in-depth stuff, uh, league-wide stuff, you know, that kind of stuff where they really get into trends and things like that league-wide. All right. Fantastic having you, Brian. Other folks out there, if you'd like to come on a film study short, hit me up. It's the bye week. I'm looking for material. I do already have about three shows planned, but I'll do more. Just hit me up. DM on Twitter, always open. Looking for that nice narrow topic we can talk about in about 25, 30 minutes uh, if you want to go over a chart you've seen on Twitter and talk about that, you think it's cool, even if it's not your own, I'll do that with you. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm uh, happy to hear from you. Uh, please give me a, a buzz. Brian, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Anytime. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Film study. <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.